Revelation chapter 10 and Psalms chapter 119. I'm going to read two different verses that deal with the same subject matter. First of all, Revelation chapter 10, and we will read two verses there, then we'll jump over to Psalms 119. Revelation chapter 10, John is writing, and he says something very interesting about something that he wrote. Revelation chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Order Psalms chapter 119, and we're going to read one verse, verse 103. Psalms 119, verse 103. The psalmist says here, How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now we just read two different verses that talked about something tasting like honey or being de described or likened to honey. And that obviously is talking about the word of God. How many of you like to eat honey? I, I have honey. Honey is... Um, for many years, I have implemented honey in my diet. I like to mix honey with my oatmeal for breakfast. I don't use sugar. I don't use any artificial sweeteners like Splenda and Equal and all of these others, Steven, all these things that come out. I just like plain old natural honey. I like honey in my oatmeal. I like a little bit of honey in my coffee, uh, but I don't use any of these other artificial sweeteners. Um, the Bible mentions honey many times throughout the entire Bible. And one of the reasons is because at that time in history, it was culturally significant. It was an important part of people's diet sometimes in some certain areas of the world throughout history in certain time periods. It was honey was considered a delicacy. It was a precious commodity. The Bible uses honey metaphorically in some instances, some passages, when God told about the land of Canaan that he had promised to the nation of Israel, he described it as a land flowing with milk and honey. And so in that sense, honey, sometimes in the Bible, is metaphorical and it's symbolic of, of something that's very prosperous and precious and sweet. It represents joy. Other times in the Bible, it talks about people eating, eating honey literally. Samson, we know that ate honey. We know that John the Baptist, it says he ate locusts with honey. Uh, I've eaten locusts without honey. <laughs> when, I went to, when I went to China, I actually tried fried locusts, and they actually tasted pretty good. They, people say, oh, it's disgusting. It's, it's, uh, how could you, oh, it's so gross. How could you eat bugs? Well, how could, you know, how do you eat dead animals? You eat it too. They're just bigger. <laughs> I, I ate dead animals in the form of bugs. You eat pork and fish and beef and lamb and that's a dead animal too <laughs> I mean uh, it's just psychological but they tasted like shrimp they really did they were crunchy and they tasted like shrimp I can imagine if you mixed it with a little bit of honey it would taste really good and it's a good source of protein 
<laughs> but the, in the Bible, the Bible is likened to honey for several reasons. And so the title of my message is what we read in Psalms there, Psalms 119, verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So the title of my message is Sweeter Than Honey, Sweeter Than Honey. And so I'm going to give you four similarities between honey and the Bible. The, the Word of God is likened to honey. How so? I'm going to give you four ways how the Word of God is likened to honey. I'm going to talk about the production of honey, the um, practicality of honey, the, pers the preservation of honey, and the price of honey. And all four of those things, we're going to see how they're similar to the Word of God. Number one, the production. The production of honey. How is honey produced? There's a production process about honey. Did you know that one of the most hard, hardest working insects is the worker bee? They call it the worker bee. And that is because that bee works and works and works and works and works to produce honey. The worker bee, the honey bee, will devote his entire life or her entire life to producing honey. That bee lives for 40 days. Isn't that interesting? The number of 40 in the Bible is the, the number of testing. And that honey bee is the most valuable economical insect, if you think about it. Uh, in fact, they were talking about how there's a shortage of bees and how it's going to affect the ecosystem and, and all of these things because the bees, not only do they they produce and manufacture honey, but they are responsible for pollinating all kinds of different plants. Now, that worker bee devotes its entire life to producing honey. It goes around and it gets nectar from different flowers. It goes back to the beehive. It regurgitates that nectar and then they produce honey and all these other sophisticated processes. But listen to this. That bee visits 50 to 100 flowers per visit when that bee is out in the field gathering nectar to go back to the hive and to produce honey. 50 to 100 flowers per trip. The bee never hibernates. If you had one pound of honey, just a pound of honey, let me tell you what it, in, it is involved just to produce one pound of honey. All of the bees that would have to go around to the different flowers gathering nectar and bring it back, all of those bees just to produce one pound of honey, they would have to fly all of the flying the distance is greater than flying three times around the world. Now, I'm not saying that the bees fly all around the world. I'm saying that the distance that is required for all of the bees to produce one pound of honey, all of the flying that they would have to do back and forth to all these flowers and going back to the hive and all of that, the distance for all of those bees to produce enough honey that would equal one pound, that distance is greater than three times around the world. That is a lot of work to produce honey. The average worker bee only produces one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey during its entire life. One-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey is only produced by that worker bee during its entire life. So next time you go to the store, you go to Costco, and you get one of these big jars of honey you see at the grocery store, that, that little plastic honey 
the, the honey bear, that little plastic container of honey. And just think of all the effort and all of the bees and all of the flying time and all of the flowers that had to be visited just to produce that small little container of honey. A lot of work went in to produce that honey. Did you know that bees, when they are producing honey, not only do they have to fly around and visit all these flowers and get this nectar and go back and regurgitate it and all of those things, but they actually get together and they will fan with their wings, they will fan the honey to cool it down in part of the, the production process of the honey. Did you know that bees, they do this little dance to communicate to the other bees in the hive about where certain flowers are? If there's one thing that... <laughs> that you can learn from insects, certain insects and certain other bugs, you can learn that they, there is such a sophisticated amount of knowledge that is instilled in those bugs that to think that, that it just evolved through Darwinian evolution, through natural processes, through random mutations and natural selection is highly inconceivable. When you think of the meticulous details that these bugs have in, in just in their instincts, if you think of ants, the intricacies about the tunnels that they will build underground. If you think of spiders, how they spin their webs and they are able to capture their prey. If you think of bees and how they manufacture honey, how did they acquire this knowledge to do this? Unless there's an intelligent creator designing them with this information. A lot of work goes in to producing honey. And just like a lot of work goes into producing honey for those honeybees, there is a lot of work and sacrifice and energy that went into producing the Bible. The Bible, sweeter than honey. Honey is similar to the Bible in that respect. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If you think about how the Bible was manufactured and produced and, and what all was entailed in producing the Bible, you think if you read the Bible back in the Old Testament, there, there were prophets who spoke the word of God and then they had scribes writing the scriptures down. Many of these prophets who, who spoke the scriptures, they were persecuted, they were beaten, they were imprisoned. Many of them were martyred, they were tortured, they were put to death. Same with the New Testament uh, writers and the New Testament apostles. We read about the scribes writing these scriptures and not just writing the scriptures, but copying them, copying and copying and copying. You, you think, you think it, it's, it's, it's labor intensive and, and you think it, it's difficult sometimes to find enough time to, to, out of your busy day to, to read the Bible? Think about having to copy the Bible. Think about having to copy it by hand, word for word, not typing it on the computer, not stamping it with a printing press, although that's a whole other labor in itself. I'm talking about copying it with pen and ink and a manuscript, paper, word for word. Think about how labor intensive that is. Yet that's what people did throughout the ages in order to give us the scriptures. The Bible has, in the New Testament alone, over 5,000 manuscripts, Greek manuscripts, New Testament manuscripts. 5,000. That means that somebody had, and those are just the ones that survived, that we still have intact. 
that does not include all of the different versions of the Bible that have been translated into other foreign languages throughout history, throughout the world. A lot of labor and sacrifice has been put into giving us the Bible. Not only that, when they, the scribes copied the scriptures, some of the scribes we know, especially uh, by name, the Masoretes, they were a type of, of Jewish scribes who wanted to safeguard the text from having errors transmitted and copying. And so some of the, the, the safeguards and the methods that they employed in order to ensure that the text did not get errors transmitted, they would count, they would get, let's say they, they have a manuscript, they have a page of the Bible that they're copying, and they would get the, 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 the first copy before, before they had the finished copy, they would get the one that the, their, their, um, their hard copy or their, their original, not, not the, I'm not talking about the original original, I'm talking about their first copy that they have. And they would go and they would count all the syllables in that page. They would count how many lines of text there were on that page. They would, they would make these notes and they would, they would count how many words are on this particular page. How many columns. And they would make these notes and then they would compare that to the finished copy or the second copy and make sure that everything lined up perfectly in order to try to safeguard the text from having errors copied into it because they revered the word of God so highly. Some of these people, they, they, when they would approach the word of God to make a copy, they would take a bath before beginning their work as a ceremony because they, they revered and they esteemed the words of God so high and so, so pure and so holy that they, 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 they just to show respect, they, they wanted to approach this to be, they wanted to be clean and holy and make these necessary preparations. That's how highly they esteemed the word of God. If they found a copy that did not match perfectly, all of those little notes and details that they made, after hours and hours and hours and hours of work, would they just go and, oh, oh, I found a mistake. Well, let's just, let's just, let's just scratch that out and write the correction above it. No, they didn't do that. They would destroy it. Now, we know later on some people started doing that and they started getting more careless. But there were, at, in one particular point in history, there were certain scribes and a certain group of scribes that went through these meticulous details to make sure that that didn't happen. That's how much work was involved in the Bible. Later on, we have the Protestant Reformation during the, the, the 1500s primarily and, and the time period, 14, 15, 1600s, the Reformation where Christians continued to labor by studying the Word of God, learning different foreign languages, having these different manuscripts, translating the Bible in different languages. The Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Notice it says a workman, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You know, studying involves work. Studying, anytime you go to school, you go to college, you have to study, it takes work, correct? Well, when you study the Bible, work is involved. That's why it's called a workman, a workman. It takes work to study the Bible. Just a casual reading of the Bible, 15 minutes a day, okay, that's not a whole bunch of, lot of work. But if you really want to study the Bible, 
If you really want to understand what the Bible is teaching, you really want to make cross-references and look up words and use a concordance and, 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 and really get down deep in the Bible, sometimes it takes work. It takes discipline. And people don't read like they used to. Because one, Primarily, one of the reasons I think is because all of the distractions we have, electricity, cell phone, computer, TV, all of these things. Before we had electricity, people read a lot. People read a lot. They just didn't come home and sit on the couch and turn the TV on or cell phone. People had books. They read, they read, they read. People don't read like they used to. Why? Well, one of the reasons is because it does take work. It does. And it's not entertaining like all of these distractions that we have, entertaining videos and all of these things. It does take work. It does take discipline. Uh, the, the Bible, um, when they translated the Bible, what did they do? Just like those bees, what do they do? They go and they get the nectar from those different flowers. They return to the beehive. They regurgitate. In plainer words, they vomit. <laughs> they vomit that, that nectar. But that's what produces honey. They give it, they take, they ingest it, they give it back. The people who translated the Bible... They received the Bible, they translated it, they gave it back to somebody else. They did all of that work for the benefit of you and I today. They gave it back to somebody else. When you study, when you learn the Word of God, don't just keep it all for yourself. Give it to somebody else. Witness to somebody. Teach somebody. Help somebody learn the Bible. That's what people did all throughout history. They went, some of the people, they gave their lives. So that other people can have the word of God. They were persecuted. There, are, uh, John Wycliffe, who translated the Bible into English. Some of his followers, who were called the Lollards, they followed him. Those people were persecuted. Some of those people were burned at the stake. Why? Because they were caught with Wycliffe's translation of the Bible. Some of those people, if you read church history, they were burned at the stake with Wycliffe's Bible tied around their neck. Some of those people, the, the, the early Protestant English Bibles, they used those as fuel for the fire. They would have somebody, they would tie that person at the stake, they would pile up a bunch of those English Protestant Bibles, and they would light those Bibles on fire to help burn that person to death. Why? For the crime of having the Word of God. Some of those Bibles that survived the fires, you still have them in the museum where they're still partly burnt. They weren't entirely consumed. A lot of work was put into having the Word of God. A lot of blood was shed for us to have the Word of God. The blood of the martyrs was spilt for us to have this book right here in our lap. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible is so precious and there was so much work involved and sacrifice. John Rogers, another translation of, translator of the Bible, Persecuted, martyred, killed. William Tyndale translated the Bible in English. Roman Catholic Church had that guy strangled and burned at the stake. Why would the Roman Catholic Church do that to somebody who translated the Bible into English? Because at that time, the Roman Catholic Church did not want the Word of God in English, the common language of the man. They wanted it to be in Latin, and if you don't know Latin, well then how do you know what they're saying? You have to take their word for it. They wanted to keep the 
common man ignorant of the word of God. So the authority would be the Roman Catholic Church and not the Bible. Yet we had a lot of sacrifice and a lot of blood spilt and a lot of labor to give us the word of God today. So that's the, the production. I want to talk about something else, the practicality, the practicality of honey and the word of God. You know, honey is used for all kinds of practical things, not just for food, not just as a sweetener. There are a lot of health benefits that come from honey. The contents of honey include iron, copper, sodium, potassium, magnesium, manganese, calcium, and phosphorus. They have extracted parts of honey to produce B vitamins, actually. Honey can be and has been used throughout history as not just food, but medicine medicinal uses for honey. Did you know that honey kills bacteria on wounds? There are a lot of home remedies that you can make from honey. Honey has been used as a disinfectant ointment. It reduces pain, it alleviates asthma, it soothes sore throats. You ever have a sore throat? Get some, you can get hot tea with honey or you can just get hot water or you can just get plain raw honey and just put it on your throat and it'll help soothe your sore throat. Instead of going and getting these sprays and all of this stuff at the drugstore where they charge you 20 bucks and it's a bunch of chemicals. <laughs> a lot of these home remedies that people used a lot of home remedies before they started coming out with all of these things and they're just as effective and a lot cheaper. Uh, honey has been known to calm your nerves and alleviate insomnia. So honey is very practical. You know the Bible has a lot of spiritual health benefits. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. The Bible's like medicine. The Bible, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 16. Let's look at a verse on this. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Health to the bones? What, what is pleasant words? Pleasant words. You know the Bible has pleasant words in it. Pleasant words can be spiritually healthy to you and even physically healthy, actually. Because did you know a lot of your 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 um, health is associated with, you know, they say mind, soul, and body, right? Some people can get sick because of what's in their mind. I'm not talking about mental illness. I'm talking about physical illness. Some people can cause themselves to become sick because of worrying too much, because of being afraid of certain things, because of depressing thoughts, because of things that are going on in their mind and it can affect their physical. On the flip side, they say that laughter is like medicine. Even the Bible says that. And modern science has found that out not too long ago, where if you're happy and you laugh, and you're joyful and all of those pleasant thoughts you have up here 
it can actually boost your immune system. So your physical health oftentimes is related to your mental health. And the Bible says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, their spirit, your spiritual, and health to the bones, physical. So both spiritual and physical health. The Bible is very practical in that respect. The Bible can heal you of spiritual sickness, just like honey can heal you of, of or at least treat some sort of uh, physical ailments. The Bible says, this is my comfort in my affliction. Thy word hath quickened me, quickened me. Jesus said, now you are clean by the word which I have spoken. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14. Let's look at something interesting here about honey. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, I want you to see what happened when somebody ate some honey. First Samuel chapter 14, and we're going to start at verse 25. And all they of the land came to a wood, and there was honey upon the ground. And when the people were come into the wood, behold, the honey dropped, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath. Wherefore he put forth the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were enlightened. Now here we see a physical response to him. All these men, they were, they were fighting a battle. They're super hungry. They're, they're, mountain, they're famished. They're starving to death. They, they have any very little energy. They have low blood sugar. And they were charged by the king. No, I don't want any of you eating anything. Jonathan was not there. He didn't hear the commandment. He came some, oh man, I'm starving. Oh, there's some honey. I'm going to, oh man, oh, oh, I feel so much better. Oh, my blood sugar level rose now to a normal level and I, I feel so much better. And uh, it says his eyes were enlightened. Oh man, I feel so much better. I can think clearer now. I, uh, I can see better. His eyes were enlightened. Why? Because of honey. You know, the, the Bible, the Word of God, will open your eyes and give you some enlightenment. You know, the Bible talks about people who, who are without God in the world. They're lost. They've never be, received Christ as their Savior. And the Bible says that Satan hath blinded their eyes. They're spiritually blind. Jesus talked about the blind leading the blind, and both of them shall fall into a ditch. Spiritually speaking, he's talking about people who don't know the truth of God and they're trying to lead other people and teach other people and they both fall into the ditch, both blind. Many people, they seek truth through deceptive means. Oh, uh, I, I, this guy wrote this book and, and man, he had, he had this dream and, 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 and he was showing all these things and man, I'm really interested in this book. Well, does it contradict the Bible? Does it contradict the Bible? A lot of those books contradict the Bible. Did you know that? Oh, this, this guru from India. I had a co-worker who was reading this book about this guru from India. Oh, she was, she was so, so fascinated. He just uh, sounded so wise. And, and this advice that she was, and I thought, you know, isn't it strange that these people will gravitate toward all of these, these fads and these teachings and these books and all of these things 
and the thing, the, the, the thing that has the truth has been there the whole time, and, and for some reason, they'll just reject the Bible. They won't, they won't even entertain the idea of even checking it out. They're just dead set against it. Yet, they'll gravitate toward all of these new truths and fads and, and these talk show hosts and all of these worldly philosophies and things when the truth is right there. It's been there the whole time. And they won't, I mean, if, if you're searching for the truth, why won't you even give it a chance? But they won't. They won't, oh, the Bible, the Bible. Oh, that's, you know, that's, that's so old-fashioned. And, oh, that's just a bunch of rules and regulations. That's, that's not for me. That's not for me. There were people, actually 180 people, who became sick from taking something that most people would think is a good thing, vitamins, vitamins. The brand was called Total Body Formula. And these vitamins contain some sort of ingredient in addition to the vitamins, because when they make these pills, they usually have, they have these certain ingredients that have to make, make it into a pill form. And these vitamins contain some sort of additive that made 180 people sick. The vitamins were actually toxic. Now, they thought they were taking a good thing. It was advertised as something that was beneficial, but it was actually detrimental. It was toxic. I read an article that made these studies and comparisons about different types of fast foods from different fast food chains and different fast food restaurants. And this article determined that dog food is more nutritious than a lot of fast foods. <laughs> Just looking at the ingredients and the nutrition value. Of course, fast food tastes a lot better, doesn't it? It's a lot more appetizing, isn't it? But just from a nutritional standpoint, just from physical health benefits, you are actually better off eating dog food than a lot of fast foods, believe it or not. Some of that stuff can make you sick if you continue eating it in large quantities over a large, long period of time. I remember at work, this coworker she brought to work some jelly beans that looked like the original real McCoy jelly belly, you know, those little miniature jelly beans that Ronald Reagan was known to love. Jelly belly jelly beans, all those different flavors. And you can read on the back of the package and it says, oh, if you combine, combine this one with this one, then it creates the banana, banana split flavor. Or these two flavors, you can, all these little recipes and combinations, and it's so fun to try to find these little ones. Oh, there's the green one, and there's, there's the pink one, and this one is bubble gum, and this one is this root beer flavor. And really, I mean, when I was a kid, I, we loved those little jelly belly jelly beans. So this coworker brought some jelly beans to work, but they weren't, they looked like jelly belly jelly beans, but they were actually from one of those prank stores like Spencer's or something. And they were, it was a prank. And she was giving them out and people were like, oh yeah, sure, I'll have some jelly beans. And they started eating them. And guess what the flavors were? Some of the flavors included pepper, dirt, vomit. 
Boogers. How would you like a booger-flavored jelly bean? How would you like a vomit-flavored jelly bean? On the package, that's what the flavors were. She showed me. And people are like, oh, yeah, I want to eat. Oh, what is this? Spitting it out. Boogers. Vomit. That's a good prank. Maybe I'll try it on Nathan and Justin. <laughs> You know what that's like that's like the world the Bible says let no man spoil you through vain vain deceit and root and philosophy of this world and the rudiments of the world and vain philosophy and all of these things people are looking they're searching for things that they, 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 they seemingly want some sort of spiritual truth. They, they know that there's something missing in their life. They know there's something out there. there some, pe some people, some people they're, they're not seeking at all. They're just content with the sinful pleasures of this world. But some people are seeking for certain things, and they will gravitate towards something that is marketed and appears to be something spiritually beneficial. It looks like the truth, but it's all it's packaged very nicely, and it's a big lie. It's a big lie. The Bible says Satan, Satan, he appears, he's transformed into an angel of light. Some of these things that people gravitate toward and they, they seek out, it, they are religious. They may go to a church. Well, this has got to be a good place. It's a church, right? People will say, and they'll go to different churches. And they find out what's being taught, what's being preached, especially this day and age. It's getting so bad that I used to come across these these headlines and I'd subscribe to these different emails and things about keeping up with different trends and things in, in, in churches around the world and people would say, oh, this church, they now they're doing this and this church, now they're doing this. Now, this church, now they're, they're having, uh, they, they, they changed their doctoral statement and now they, they approve of homosexuality. Well, that's not even news anymore. Yeah. Then I found out, well, this church, the pastor... They found out that this recently they found this pastor on TikTok. He had a it was a double leading a double life. He was a drag queen. He was a cross-dressing drag queen on TikTok one day, and on Sunday he's a pastor behind the pulpit. It's just getting really bizarre, and nothing surprises me anymore. I used to say, whoa, my gosh, you got to be kidding. I, I'm going to click on this. I'm going to find out what church is this. That's ridiculous. And now it's almost every day, and I don't even bother to click on it anymore because it's just so common that you can expect anything from certain from a church today. You don't Now you don't even know. If there's even Southern Baptist churches that they used to be, okay, we knew that Southern Baptist churches had you know, their, their issues, but at least... On the basics, on the fundamentals, they were they were okay. They we maybe didn't just we maybe didn't agree with the Bible versions and their style of worship music and all that. But beyond that, you know, they they were still straight. And now, I mean, you don't know you don't know what to think now. You really have to investigate and find out what certain people believe because it's just going crazy. The way that things are changing so quickly. The Bible says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Thy words are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Some of the new Bible versions are kind of like fast food. Fast food tastes good, right? 
You don't have to, if you're in a hurry, you don't have to wait a long time for them to cook it. They just zap it and it comes right out. Or it's already pre-made waiting there under the hot lamp in the window. Go to McDonald's. What's taking too long? It's been five minutes. Where's my cheeseburger? It's been five minutes. What's going on? We think that's a long time, right? It's easy. It's quick. It's convenient. It tastes good. And it's unhealthy. We live in a fast food society. There are some things when it comes to Christianity that are like that. We want it fast. We want it right now. We don't want to work for it. We don't want to wait for it. We just want it to be quick and easy and convenient. And it's not that way, unfortunately, if you want the real deal. Honey. Honey. Something else about honey. The preservation of honey. Did you know that pure raw honey never spoils? Pure raw honey never spoils. One of the reasons is because it inhibits bacteria growth. Even though it has sugar, which can promote bacteria growth, there's not enough water in honey for that. In fact, they know this because they have found honey in some of the ancient tombs of the ancient Egyptian pharaohs, and that honey is still edible. Honey is used sometimes, or it has in history, for embalming, for furniture, use some of it for added to furniture polish and varnish. It's able to preserve decomposing bodies and furniture. Alexander the Great's remains have honey. Honey never spoils. It has preserving qualities. The Bible has been preserved like no other book in history. If you not only is the production of the Bible amazing, the fact that we even have the Bible still today intact is a miracle in and of itself. The Bible even promises this. It says the words of God are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The Bible says heaven and earth pass away. Uh, he says the, the, the grass of the field fadeth away, the, the, um, withereth away, the flower fadeth away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. If you think about the manuscript evidence that we have of the Bible, not if you compare it to any other book of antiquity, we have more manuscripts than any other book of antiquity, and we have older manuscripts than any other book of antiquity. So just those two factors alone, the Bible stands head and shoulders above all the rest. If you think of of how people were persecuted. If you, and I already talked about how the translators were martyred. Bibles, not only were, were the Bibles burned along with their translators, but people would confiscate Bibles and burn those Bibles because they wanted to stamp out the Bible. The world has been at work all throughout history to rid the world of the Bible. There's no other book that has suffered the persecution like the Bible has and still flourishes today. The Bible has been banned in nine different countries throughout history, yet it remains the world's all-time number one bestseller. How is that? It's been translated into more languages than any other book in the world. Yet at the same time, people have been, they have tried to 
get rid of the Bible. They've killed people for reading the Bible. They've killed people for translating the Bible. They have confiscated Bibles. They have banned Bibles. They have burned Bibles. You would think with that much effort, the, they would have rid the world of the Bible. But here it is. And you can just get your cell phone. And do, 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 do. There it is, the Bible on your cell phone. You still have the Bible. Preservation, preservation, preservation. Just like honey, preservation. And last of all, I want to talk about the price of honey. The price of honey. Honey was at one point in history used as a form of currency. Money. Because honey was so valuable, so precious. In fact, there was one time where honey was used in the place of gold. Honey was used to pay taxes in Rome at one point. I'd love to send some honey to the IRS every year instead of my tax dollars. But at one point, honey was a precious commodity. It was a delicacy. It was highly valuable and highly... Um, uh, people, people, they... It was in high demand because of the properties and the fact that it was so treasured and reviewed, revered. And the Bible is also valuable like honey. Go to Psalms chapter 19. Let's conclude with a few verses about the value of the Bible. If you had to live with only one book, if you were stranded somewhere on a deserted island for the rest of your life and they said you can only have one book, what book would that be? What book would that be? Look at Psalms chapter 19. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Turn to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Verse 72. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. If you could not have the Bible or access to the Bible like we have it today, if you could not download it on the internet, if you could not go down to Walmart and buy a paperback copy for a couple dollars, if the Bible was something that was very, very, very expensive and very rare, and you could not have access to the Bible unless you purchased it, how much would you be willing to spend for a copy of the Bible? I'll tell you how much some people did spend in history in 1989 at the University of Texas, uh, that actually the University of Texas paid $4 million for a Gutenberg Bible. 
A leaf from the book of Isaiah in Gutenberg was valued at $17,500. was paid for a Gutenberg Bible by a Japanese book dealer. $1,940,000 was paid for a 1460 German Bible by a New York dealer at Christie's auction in London. In 1994, $1.5 million was paid for a 1526 Tyndale New Testament by the British Library from the Baptist College of Bristol, England. An original 1611 King James Version was auctioned off for $343,000. I read in prison some people use Bibles as gambling chips. <laughs> Madeline O'Hare, remember who she was? Yeah. Famous atheist. Did you know she had a Bible? It was auctioned off for $2,000 after she died. <laughs> the Bible. Value. Value. Now that's just monetary physical value that people have paid for manuscripts and old antiques and things like that version of the Bible. Spiritually speaking, you know how valuable the Bible is? What price could you put on your soul? The Bible says, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Your soul is priceless. How much, if, if you could buy your way to heaven, if the only way to get to heaven after you died was to pay a certain sum of money, how much would you be willing to pay? in order to escape going to hell. How much would you pay? You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift is something that cannot be bought. A gift is something that's free. And here we have something that is free, the Word of God, even though it's priceless, it has been given to us freely, and it gives us the instructions of life. I talked about the practicality of hunting. Many people wrongly assume that the Bible is simply a book of do's and don'ts, and that's one reason why people don't want to have anything to do with it. Or they think the Bible is just a religious book that talks about God. I talked about the practicality of hunting. Did you know the Bible talks about things that this world finds very important? Like money, like relationships, like work, like all kinds of things that you can think about. Marriage and divorce and all kinds of things. The Bible has so much information about our day-to-day -day lives and offers us wisdom and advice. And you would do well to take heed to the things that are written in the Bible if you want to have a prosperous life. That's the practicality of the Bible, just like honey is practical. And today, if you have never been saved, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to think that about this a little bit more seriously and to think just like honey. Honey is, we take it for granted. We can go and buy it at the grocery store and it's, and I gave you some information about honey, how it used to cost a lot of money and all of that. And today, people don't think about it like that because of how it's mass-produced and all of that.
But people have the same attitude about the Bible. People think, oh, well, the Bible, you know, that's just the Bible. Oh, yeah, you know, that's something that I remember my grandmother talking about the Bible. I remember going to vacation Bible school when I was a little kid. Yeah, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. They don't give it the preeminence. They don't give it the, the proper place, and they don't place the right importance upon the Bible like they should, and they are missing out on a great blessing. And the biggest blessing that people are missing out on the fact that the Bible tells you how you can be saved how you can go to heaven, how you can have your sins forgiven, how you can be rescued from an eternity in hell by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for giving us something precious like this. I pray that we would esteem the Word of God the way that you have described it, it's sweeter than honey, it's more valuable than all the riches of this world. The Bible contains these things that we need to live the abundant life, to be happy, to, to have the way of spiritual truth, and as most importantly, eternal life through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.